I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, and we are ready to continue our journey through the book of Romans. We're going to be this time in Romans 3, 23 through 31. Romans 3, 23 through 31. Listen carefully, please. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Romans 3, 23 to 31. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because of his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by a law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. That's Romans 3, 23 through 31. So here's what Paul has done previous to Romans 3.23. <clears throat> he has established what the human problem is, and he established that by using one word, sin. Jews, Gentiles, all have sinned. Now, at this point, Paul makes a fortunate transition from the problem to the solution. Let me say that again. He makes a fortunate transition from the problem to the solution. I really like the problem-solution model as you study the book of Romans. The problem is sin. The only solution is the solution God has given. And as I said in a previous video, everyone is invited, Jews, Gentiles, everyone gets in the same way. Everyone can meet the same requirements. First, in our study this time, I want to get just a little more into verse 23. It's very straightforward where it says, all have sinned. I want us to think a little more about the second part of this and fall short of the glory of God. We must give good attention to this. See, 
Our purpose as creatures made in God's image is to think, speak, and live in such a way we glorify our Creator. That should be our highest priority. Sin goes against that. When we do not act as our Creator intends, that's sin. As we live in sin, we certainly fail to glorify God. We, we fall short of the glory of God. And I believe that should strike us with great fear. Acting, living, thinking contrary to the will of the Creator. Therefore, not glorifying Him. Don't miss that part of verse 23. Our problem is we have sinned, and in sin we fall short of the glory of God. And this applies to Jews as well as Gentiles. The good news is, now we transition from the problem to the solution. The good news is, God has a plan whereby we who have sinned can be justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is the good news. The good news is the gospel. To be justified means counted as not guilty. God didn't have to do this, but he did it freely by his grace. And he does this based on the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, that's verse 24. We'll need to read and study further to learn more but what we have so far is really simple. Our problem is sin. Verse 23, God has a solution whereby we who have sin can be justified, that is counted as not guilty, having our sins forgiven. Verse 24, do you remember, those of you who are Christians, you remember when you obeyed the gospel? thinking, all I have done that was so wrong and misguided, God has forgiven. That's a powerful moment. To learn more about this, you just keep reading from verse 25 down into verse 26. And here's what you find. In God's concept of justice, it was necessary for sin to be dealt with, for sin to be punished. Now, if God, if God had just punished every individual sinner with the death penalty, uh, of course, we wouldn't be here. Sin requires penalty, but God made the choice that his son would bear the penalty. So Jesus died for us. Jesus died, not us. This plan demonstrated God's righteousness in regard to his past forbearance. Let me explain. For many, many years, God showed his forbearance, his patience toward both the Jews and Gentiles, not executing every sinner. God knew while passing over those sins and those sinners, 
what he would do in the future. He knew it all along. Jesus would come, bear the penalty, upholding God's justice and righteousness, and for us providing a way to be saved. And that's all captured here in Romans 3, 23 through 26. Now, let's take a moment to look at some of the key words that capture what this is all about. Grace is God's benevolent attitude toward us that we do not deserve, that is captured by the words also mercy, patience, forbearance, love. Redemption means to buy back. Sinners need to be bought back, but sinners cannot pay the ransom. Jesus paid it. Propitiation is a more complex word for us, a word used in the Greek Old Testament for the mercy seat. The lid of the Ark of the Covenant on which blood was sprinkled each day of atonement for the sins of the people of Israel. The idea is the offering of something which makes things right. The point here is, in the death of Christ, God's past forgiveness of sins under the law <coughs> is shown to be just, and also there is the demonstration of his righteousness at this present time. And all this helps us understand what Paul said back in chapter 1, that the gospel is the power of God to save. The gospel is this good news that God has made it possible for sinners to be saved. Now, in the middle of this good news about what God has done for us in Christ, there's an important statement about who actually and personally has this forgiveness. Now, Remember, everyone is invited, but not everyone accepts the invitation. The person who has this is the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, we cannot just stop here and say, all right, this is the whole story. This is all we need to know. God provides salvation based on the death of Jesus Christ. It's enjoyed by the one who has faith in Jesus. I believe in Jesus, end of story. Not so. We have to discover what faith in Jesus means. And you know what? We already know something because it's something we discovered all the way back in Romans 1 verse 5 in that expression, the obedience of faith. The apostles delivered the gospel to the world, and the object was that people would obey. So before we ever get to chapter 3, we know that this faith is active as it discovers its existence in obedience. But obedience entails exactly what? We just keep reading and we discover things like repentance and baptism and holy living. The gospel cannot be found in one verse or one paragraph that contains absolutely everything we need to know to go to heaven. God didn't just give John 3.16. 
He gave us 66 books and 27 of them are in the New Testament. We need all this instruction God has given, especially when it comes to the meaning of faith in Christ. Let me pause here. I'll be right back. We need to remember how all of this started. The Gentiles had left God, and you will recall how Paul responded to the typical Jewish mentality, which was, the Gentiles are guilty, but not us, because we are the people of God. They were boasting, self-righteous boasting. Paul says, we're all guilty of sin. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So now let me bring into that 27 through 31. Romans 3, 27 through 31. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. When we, by faith, obey the gospel to receive what we couldn't have any other way, we cannot boast. We cannot say, well, finally God rewarded me as I deserve. No. What we deserve is wrath because we've sinned. God is the God of the Jews and of the Gentiles, and when we respond to the gospel to receive forgiveness through Christ, we are not earners. We are recipients of a gift from the grace of God. Does this mean there is some conflict between the law of Moses and faith? Paul says no. The law of Moses was designed to lead the Jews to this place of being able to have the forgiveness Christ died for sinners to have. Then we come to the end of Romans chapter 3. Let me talk about a few more things before I conclude the video. The grace of God. In Robert Turner's Sermons on Grace, he speaks for every genuine recipient of grace when he says, no greater theme could occupy the mind of man. If it were not for God's grace, no man could possibly be saved. I believe this subject needs more emphasis, and you're going to be hearing more and more about that as we move ahead in these videos in Romans. I am concerned we may be tempted to think in these terms. God says here, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. I've done that. He ought to save me. God has never been under obligation to us. We just need to fix that in our minds. We never put God in debt to us. When Christ came and died on that cross, nobody in heaven 
or on earth could remark, it's about time you gave me what I deserve. Blasphemy. Not one human being deserves such consideration. Paul quoted the Psalms, no, not one, back in Romans 3.10. The best of men, the most honorable women, the scholar, the philanthropist, the heroes and defenders of the innocent cannot boast. No one merits or earns the favor of God. Nobody earns their way into the room of God's special favor. He allows into his grace and into salvation in Christ those who are active in their faith in Christ. By the activity of faith, we receive the gift of salvation. I hope you have received that gift. These videos are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. Thank you for watching.